0: The soul of summer in Columbus: the long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars, the just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson, and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail, every minute of summer at ExperienceColumbus.com/liveforward. It's a rise by podcast, it's a rise-ball podcast, it's a rise by
1: All right, welcome back to another week of the Razball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lipschitz. I'm here with my main man, Lance Brozdowski. As always, this podcast is powered by Prospects Live. That is our new endeavor, Lance, myself, Jason Waddell, Matt Thompson, Jason Bedini, and others. It's all prospect focused content, as is this show. But this has to be, has to be the absolute worst week or worst two to three week stretch of the year for prospectors. There is very little to nothing going on outside of some early instructs looks. It's limited what information you can get there. Unless you're out in Arizona, once you're down in Florida and you're on these backfields and can get, you know, a ton of information. It's mostly just little looks and reports, things you're hearing secondhand Lance. I'm already going on a rant. How are you, man? I'm How doing, are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Yeah, this is cool. Uh, it's a rough. I mean, it's a rough period, right? This is a tough couple of weeks to come up with content prospect focus. Yeah, but I, we never stop.
2: I don't know why my first word there was cool. I don't really know what I was saying. Cool too, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been it's tough. This is gonna be a weird couple of weeks. You know, we have we have not a lot. Like our news and notes for this podcast, like our outline for this podcast is easily probably the shortest we've ever had. I think honestly, because oh, yeah. like we started pretty late last year, we were jumping into top thirties right off the bat, and now we're getting to the point where we're like. Kind of scrounging for some information just to make some conversation over. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, but we'll get through it. We'll keep this pod tight. We'll keep it like a 50 50 minute hour pod or something like that, as opposed to our usual kind of ones that run over that. I think our central topics are going to be this on deck classic with the Texas Rangers and the San Diego Padres, which is very prospect based. Kyle Glazer's tweeting about it a lot, and the Padres actually just noticed we're tweeting about it. So we're going to jump through some of that and the happenings, which aren't Readily available because there's really no box score, so that's kind of a pain, but um, we do see <laughs> some of the tweets going through, so we might be able to piece some things together, give you guys the lineups for that, and then we're going to revisit Ralph's first-year player draft as well, so I'll walk through that, and we I think we have a lot of debate around that and some hot takes. And just, we're going to go back and forth on a lot there that I think that this is going to be kind of the main central theme of the show. It's going to be, going to be those first year player draft guys as well as some of these Padres. And I feel like we talk about Padres a lot, but we get a lot of looks. So we enjoy talking about the Padres. This is one of the they're the best system in baseball. So there's, it's all the more reason to talk about the Padres and the Rangers, you know, they have some intrigue as well. So Ralph, do you, what do you say we get going with the uh, lineups here for both these teams? And then uh, maybe talk a little bit about those. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably the direction we got to go because I'm 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 racking my mind for uh, news and notes to possibly tough, mention right? <laughs> uh, anything anything uh, that's really noteworthy over the last week or two and nothing yeah it's totally tough. blank
2: it's, it's a blank bar. <laughs> <laughs> so for this on deck classic going on at Petco right now Padres are on the road I believe so I'm doing some fun stuff in Petco this is almost like I I like that Petco is kind of this breeding ground for a lot of these cool classic games. I didn't really know about this classic game, but obviously they have Perf Game All-American, which is the biggest high school showcase, and they got a lot, so I appreciate Pecco being mm-hmm. the house for all this. as a stadium that I've always wanted to get to in an area of the country I've always wanted to get to, so even more incentive now that I see them doing awesome stuff like this. I'll run through the Padres lineup very quickly here for this classic. Um, their starting lineup goes Jason Rosario, batting leadoff, center fielder, X. Ex- Xavier Edwards, second baseman, switch hitter, obviously, Tuka Pita Marcano, third baseman, um, who I can't say I know too much about, but Ralph, I think, might know a little bit about. Josh Nealer in cleanup spot, left field. Love Josh Naylor in the outfield. Always fun seeing that. Owen Miller, first baseman. Uh, he should play some shortstop for t- Fort Wayne, some third base for Fort Wayne. Looks like they're moving him for- to first for this game. I don't think he sticks at short, long term. We can get more into that. Luis Torrens at catcher. Gabriel Arias at shortstop. Estuary Ruiz at DH. And Edward Olivares in right field and the bullpen is pretty pretty loaded I would say. Uh, starting pitcher for this was Reggie Lawson. Joey Cantillo I really like that uh, uh, he's in here I did not expect to see him but I did catch his first Fort Wayne start. First and only for Fort Wayne outing and I enjoyed what I saw a bit there I think he's a pretty underrated lefty there from, from Hawaii actually which I don't think we see too much of Michelle Baez in the pen as well as long uh, as well as Andres Munoz who I believe just came in to pitch the ninth inning of this game and the first pitch he threw was 100 miles per hour shocker there. And then some other names as well some guys that um, maybe we don't know as well nick Thwaites and e-train Contreras, as well as darius valdez and that's a bunch of righties in the san diego bullpen and they got some bench guys too i don't think any of them are too too well known so i might not even mention them um anyone here oh eh, oh okay augustine ruiz and yugi rosario are two guys that i do know the names of so they're on the san diego bench for this game ralph mm-hmm. looking at that there's a lot of names to take in um Anyone jump out to you? I don't know if you've yeah, been, well, we've been keeping up with the the train of what's going on. So maybe we could blend in a little of the happenings as well as our thoughts.
1: Sure. Yeah. So one thing I will say is I actually read this on Baseball America recently. They were doing um, their rankings of the 50 states and which per capita produced the most players. And Hawaii, I believe, was in the top five.
2: Really? Um, no way. Yeah.
1: I they have a lot of professional that. ball players, man. Shane Victorino jumps to That's mind. Good one. Of course, there's a few others. Yeah. Uh, Jordan wow. Yomamato in the Marlins system that was traded over there this year uh, in the Lewis Brinson deal, I believe. Okay. Um, he's Hawaiian. He went to St. Louis High School, which is actually the same high school that Marcus Mariota went to. Oh, um, cool. There's a lot of athletes. I mean, you have to think of uh, uh, Tua, right? Isn't it Tua who's the quarterback or yeah. uh, the Bama mm-hmm. QB? Uh, he's another, you know, lefty, lefty tossing. Uh, I watched a lot of college football. By the way, we'll get into that yeah, when Kyle we talk Murray, about Kyler yeah. Murray. I've become an Oklahoma Sooners fan just to cheer for Kyler Murray. I've been scouting him as a football player. The arm is strong. I got to tell you, <laughs> the kid has a gun, dude. He's a little undersized, but he moves well in the pocket. He's you know, he's he's makes some plays. Army was a tough one though. I didn't get to watch any of the Army game. Uh, they- it was the only game that hasn't been broadcast so far. So we can go into my Kyler Murray hot takes as well. I can't wait. He's gonna, <laughs> yeah. He's going to win. He's going to win the Heisman. I've been saying this to the guys at my work and busting the chops for weeks. Cause they're all big gems. But anyway, so, um, names that jump out to me, I, I wanted to sort of bring up, uh, I'm going to butcher this, this guy's name, uh, Tuka Pita, Marcano, um, Really interesting. Well done. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting player. So Mark Marcano to me is um one of these guys that, you know, I- I'm not quite sure if the power rankings are maybe a little bit light, or if you look at the numbers, he's only had one homer professionally, so it's not like you knock yourself out. But you know, when he was up in short season ball in 17 games, I mean, he hit for a little bit of power. He has a, a ton of speed. Looks like he's a contact speed guy more than anything else. The biggest thing is he never strikes out. He gets on base. Obviously, makes a fair amount of contact. Uh, the speed has been 60 grade. I've only really watched a little bit of video on him, um, but I just—it's one of these questions I have—is—is is, you know—is he a 40—is he a 30-40 a power guy, or is there a little bit more there? Just because sometimes that happens with these these young guys with. really good hit tool. And he's not tiny either. I mean, he's six feet, you know, I think listed at like 170. Mm -hmm. Um, So at 19, he could grow into a little bit more power. That's not a, that's not unheard of. So the hit tool is good enough. Somebody to look out for, I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock him because of the power. It seems like more and more of these guys are starting to grow into power. When you look at those sort of raw athletes, great examples, obviously in major leagues right now, are Mookie Betts and Jose Ramirez. Um, obviously those are like shining stars as examples. And I'm not saying that that's what this guy's going to turn into, but I think that profile more and more is something that I'm gravitating toward, which is guys with, with, that can just hit the baseball is good hit tool guys. They're fundamentally sound at the plate. Um, and maybe they have some athleticism to go along with it. That's something I really buy into. So he's another interesting infielder with uh, a ton of athleticism and some, and some hit ability. So, um it seems the Padres are loaded up with those guys
2: so good man I was actually fun fact I was reading a little bit about the actually today I'm writing a piece on Bert who in the the uh 418 caps um pitching coach as well as former Dodger and Cub obviously from the 70s and early 80s and I was reading a little bit about how they got so loaded with international talent and it, it actually and I didn't know this and I feel very dumb for not knowing this because especially following the Padres so closely but in 2016, the 2016-2017 yeah. international <laughs> signing class was the last one without the bonus pool limitation, and they spent under just under 80 million dollars, whereas the second team was like 28 million. And they, the list of guys they got from that class, Ralph, I was looking at it on Baseball America. Oh yeah, it was like, it's nuts. It's literally everyone that's in their system right now. I bet like nine of the top like 20 prospects is from that class, and it's just. <laughs> They there are just like a horde of players that are young international that are cl- slowly getting through their system, and it's it's beautiful to see. I'm sure Preller really is, they, is happy.
1: They pretty much signed everybody that the Braves didn't secretly yeah. agree to with the deal a year before, and they were yep. rumored. Yep, yep. They were the they were the team that I think that um, I'm sure his agents or handlers or whatever used as a little smokescreen. But the Padres were the team that was rumored to potentially sign Maiton at the last minute. Yes, and, and
2: Moncada in the prior year. They were one of the finalists from what I was reading, which is very yeah. interesting. And they didn't get him, and Preller was like, we're going to use a lot of that money next year. And especially when everything dropped at the CBA in 2016, they were like, yeah, we're, we're using it all, <laughs> which is unreal. It's just awesome to see that. But I'm going to jump to one name, and then we can go back. Maybe you have got a couple other names. Uh, Reggie Lawson, pretty interesting here. I didn't actually know too much about him. Um, looks like he was up in Lake Elsinore this year. 117 innings, 9 K per 9, 4.69 ERA, 4.34 four, FIP. Obviously not the best results. Kyle Glazer's tweet probably gives you the best perspective on him. Very short, very concise. But he tweeted uh, a couple hours ago, recording this on Thursday night at about midnight Eastern time. So he tweeted it around 10 o'clock. Reggie Lawson is very, very inconsistent. But when he's good, he's all capital letters good. Tonight, comma he's all capital letters good. And I believe he finished his night. Let me make sure I can confirm this. So, Reggie Lawson's 90s down four innings, two hits, two earned, one walk, seven strikeouts, held 94, 96 through the entire, entire outing. New slider is 83 to 84. I would guess that the curveball is a little bit lower than that, probably in the high 70s. And then he also has a changeup. It seems like that... Curveball is actually, from what I'm reading on Fangraphs, is his best pitch. But interesting, that slider, a lot of guys are able to go off that. And I know a lot of guys in the Padres system are two breaking ball guys. And I know this because I talked to Luis Patino about it, actually, in regards to his development of adding uh, a a curveball, actually, and wanting the Padres wanting him to work on that. He mentioned that to me when I got the chance to speak to him. Um, So this is definitely a philosophical thing I want to say about the Padres is is developing multiple breaking balls. And this is the thing they did with... uh, Oh, uh, was it Nelson Lamette who went down with early surgery? He, he was a fastball slider guy. They were looking for a third pitch, and they went curveball on him. So... They, they are fans of two breaking balls, and obviously, especially at lower levels, it gives some guys a chance to develop. But, but Reggie Lawson, looking at his mechanics a little bit. It is a little consistent. He's a little bit upright, but it seems like he has yeah. pretty easy velocity. And it, Glazer's right because, he, he you know, you jump to his game log, and I believe he's had some pretty stellar games this year. Where he's had a really solid – yeah, so his final he's, two starts of the season, August 28th against the Angels team on the road for, like, Elsinore. He went six innings, K-8, only two walks. Um, yeah, he's been pretty up and down. He's got a couple games where, like, five innings, five walks, one strikeout. But mixing that in, his first start of the year was three hits, one earned, five innings, eight strikeouts. Man, this he's interesting. He's very interesting. Uh, Fangriffs has him as a 45 future value guy. I think he's a guy that's got to be on the radar, Six-four-two-zero-five. That's the thing that jumped out to me, especially because the Padres give him the nod over guys like uh, uh, Michelle Baez, you know, is probably the main one. And even Andres Munoz, who throws absolute gas. So who else on this roster is kind of standing out to you, Ralph?
1: Yeah, and I was gonna say Lawson's big too. Yeah, 205 is big. I he's think he's listed, bigger than two hundred five. Like, I'm
2: looking yeah, at him right now. He's bigger than two
1: hundred five. Yeah, same. And he's six four. And I mean, he looks like he might even be like a touch bigger than that. I mean, he looks like yeah. He looks like a young Michael Pineda. Like that's <laughs> what his build is almost like. You know what I mean? Do you, can um, I bring something up? That's kind of is, funny. Waist is really high, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't mind him. He, I wouldn't call him super athletic, but he's also not super stiff either.
2: No, he's he got a pretty loose arm. And the funny thing is, speaking no, it's of very like, quick arm, quick arm. Yeah. And and the funny thing, I, I don't mean to bring this up, but like, I'm 6'4", and I'm about one ninety. And I always like am at games when they have guys listed at six four, and I see their weight, and I like think of my body in relation to them. And I'm like, there's no way that guy's like 205. There's no way he's 10 pounds heavier than me. He looks like he's 30 pounds heavier than me. And I'm uh. looking at Reggie Lawson right now, and they have him 6'4, 205. I I'm not near him, so I can't tell his height, but I will tell you right now, the kid is not 205. He is bigger than 205. He's like 210, 215. But it's it's solid. It's a solid, solid frame. It's not like a, a Ryan Weathers kind of pudge frame. And I don't mean to knock Ryan <laughs> Weathers, but when you see Ryan <laughs> Weathers, that's kind of what he looks like compared to a lot of the other arms in this system. So, a um, little bit of a, a thing that I always like bringing up and. I remember I think I was talking to someone else about this that uh, goes a bunch of minor league games in, in the program I'm in, uh, in Northwestern. I was talking about it, and they're like, "Yeah, do you like go up to people and like try to gauge their height and stuff?" And I was like, "Yeah, I like I feel like I I feel like I'm a personal fact checker for like height weight calculations off of my body. <laughs> it's very funny, but uh, but yeah, Reggie Lawson. Um, you, were you gonna bring someone else up, Ralph?
1: I don't want to. Um, yeah, I, there were some other guys you're gonna bring up too. But yeah. if you had anything else to add on Lawson, certainly no, have no, no, I feel but... like that was a good uh. Based the other that. guy I wanted to ask, I don't think you actually got to see him, but uh, Edward uh, Oliveres. Um, I don't believe I did, I he, yeah, yeah, 22 year old outfielder. Um, I think they got him from the Blue Jays actually. In oh, what was the trade that they made last year with the Blue Jays? Oh, 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 what's the infielder's name? Uh, Yogarvis Solarte. Oh, he was, okay, yep, he was the returns for Solarte, 22 years old, kind of an interesting like power speed guy. Um, maybe some hit tool concerns. Uh he's at the bottom of that lineup. Didn't have an awful year this year. Um, slash 277, 321, 429. So you want to see a little bit more power, especially when you're talking about the Cal League. Uh did have 12 homers, 21 steals in how many attempts though? I gotta check that. Uh 29. So you not awful. Decent conversion rate. So he's just an interesting player. And I always feel like uh guys that do a little bit of everything like this, have some power, have some speed, play some defense. Um, they can sort of jump up to the majors really, really quickly. Like, you know, next year he starts in double a, mm-hmm. there's a chance where there's an injury. There's an opening. I know they have plenty of depth, but there's an opening. It wouldn't shock me if a guy like this just comes up in the majors and impresses us. That's kind of what happened with Franchi Cadero. You know, he was kind of a similar profile, maybe a little bit more raw than Alavarez is.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's really interesting. And I I want to bring up actually another quote here that I'm seeing on the Padres Twitter from Preller, which I find relatively interesting. And I think this actually kind of just talks about how much depth they have and how many like near average future major leaguers they have based on fair future value (laughs) rankings. Um, This is from Preller, I guess. Apparently, also I'd like to correct here that I'm reading on the Padres Twitter that there was actually a game one. Of this, it seems like there was two iterations of this game today, and I assume the second one is the one with the kind of bigger prospects and possibly the one before that was a little bit less touted in terms of the guys there. Maybe it was a doubleheader. I can't confirm that, but it seems like there was a game one because they're referencing this as game two, which is the one that we kind of recapped earlier. But the, the the quote I wanted to read is, quote, signing and acquiring the right players is most important. We put a ton, ton of time and ent- emphasis on defining players who have pluses from a scouting standpoint. We've tried to find guys who are well above average. Those are the guys who rise up and create something special special um end quote that's aj Prowler. i don't know what the question was but i assume it was something regarding kind of the depth of the system i would bet and that's interesting the fact that you know the, he's saying that but i also feel like gms a lot of times say things and they're not actually true but you can almost fact check that right back and see how deep this farm system is yeah in it's terms true. of guys like edward alivaris <laughs> where you just don't even know how to rank him because like he seems like a, a really good hit tool guy he's not striking out lot. he's already in high a like, there's so many guys like him that just have a, a tool or two that have some pluses that are good that you're like, maybe that guy turns into something. We saw this with a guy like Luis Patino this year who's now on everyone's radar, you know? Man, unbelievable.
1: Well, two other things that stick out to me. I want to I bust your chops yeah. a little bit and say that your boy – future king of utility infielders. Owen Miller is at first base. Yes. He's not a shortstop. He's not at second. He's at first. He plays all over the infield for Lance. Uh, (laughs) It's even, it's even funny that a guy like that, who seems like a total throwaway pick, maybe there's something there. I mean, I know I've been a little down on him, but uh, you know, like whatever, but the numbers have been good and he's popping up everywhere. The other thing I want to laugh at is the fact that Josh Neal is in left field. It just always makes, Oh my God. Because I had
2: chuckle. I love him.
1: When he had gotten drafted, I had listed him as a first baseman outfielder because he did play some outfield. And people had always talked about, you know, how he, despite his body type, that he actually had some decent athleticism. Mm-hmm. And I had listed him as such in the Florida Marlins offseason write-up two or three years ago. Um, and somebody, like, got really upset at me. And was like, "What are you talking about? It's it's you should be laughed off, like you know the site because you said that like Josh Naylor's an outfielder, and here he is playing outfield three they years fucking later." Fucking
2: love him. Oh, I swear. I usually wow. I feel like I never swear on this podcast, <laughs> More But we're explicit. Thanks. screw it. I could say the outfielder. wow.
1: I know. Huh? <laughs> i just
2: riled up, man. I'm just talking Padres prospect. I love that he's an outfielder because his hey, baseline crack- hit tool is so good. I feel like the only thing I need to figure out with him is is where he's gonna play. And it's like, they know they have depth at first base. They know they have Eric Hosmer for X amount of years. So there's no problem. There's well, no problem at all in them developmentally bringing Josh into to the outfield. I get it's absurd. He's going to be not be good He's going to be J.D. Martinez, Reese Hoskins, a level bad. But, like, it, you have to do it. If you're not playing at first base and you have Hosmer and you have a guy who, if after Hosmer, I mean, Hosmer's going to be there for a while, who probably only really play at first base. Like, Will Myers is going to also platoon there at times, I'm sure. He's going to slow down a little bit in the outfield. It's like you have to find another spot for him. It's so it's just, I don't like when, When. I, I mean, I get, it's funny to laugh at Nailon Alfield because he's a big guy, but like developmentally, you have to do this. Like this is like, I get it's funny. Again, but it's like look at Kevin Biggio in the AFL, where they're bringing him into the outfield. He's not a good defensive second baseman. From what I've been reading, I, I honestly don't remember too much from seeing him live how good he is. I think he was probably more average. I've heard more knocks on yeah. recently, honestly. But yeah. I don't they think he was have awful. To, they got to find another spot for him, right? If they don't like him at second base, put him in the outfield. Don't laugh at it. The, the team's trying to find another spot for the guy and teach the guy how to play it. He's not going to get—he's he, going to get—he's only going to get better. Like that's the thing I think a lot of people are like. I don't know. We got Williams Estudio playing center field for the Twins. Like, I think Josh Naylor can probably patrol left field and be a, a, a strong negative defender. But, like, if his bat is good enough and he's walking, you know, even with his strikeouts, like, come on. Like, suck it up. You know? Come they
1: on. went from Byron Buxton. <laughs> yeah,
2: Williams Estudio. I know. It's unbelievable. Oh, Ralph. Unbelievable. But
1: uh, uh, this game world. has
2: been fun. I want to read some of the results here. So, Estudio, Bubba Thompson had a dong. Yeah, we'll jump. To, let's jump to the Rangers in a second. I want to go through some of the Padres. Estuari Rees, center field home run. I'm probably gonna jiff this up after we hop out this pot and shoot it out. It looks pretty, like a nice smooth swing from him. Um, I will admit again, Ralph, that you were definitely right on him. And it was just funny because I saw him live continually for a while, but I'm coming around on him slowly. I'm definitely coming around on him in terms of what I've seen. I think he's advanced from Midwest. Like I think he can move quick. He's a poor defender, which I think is continually going to be a knock in terms of war purposes. So as a real life prospect, Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. It, but I just feel like for fantasy, especially like even if some people are downgrading him on lists, like what's going to play up is maybe the speed. I think he kind of grades up more average. I think he's kind of just kind of, a really good base stealer and understands pitching and how to exploit pitchers right now. So he's not going to steal fifty bags at major level. I bet it's more eighteen to twenty two steal speed, honestly, at peak. But but it's good. It's it's contact. It's power. It's a lot of things. I like his swing. I'm coming around on him. So estuary is great to see him hit a home run. I don't exactly know who he was off of. We obviously went through the Reggie Lawson uh, line here. We also have uh, Michelle Bias pitched three innings, two hits, one earned. Um, one walk, four strikeouts, very good. And I also see a cool little picture here of Fran Miller Reyes and Louis Urias. Uh, watching from the stands, which is really awesome. And then I believe Munoz, I'm not sure what he pitched in the final inning, but I know that his first pitch was 100 miles per hour. So that kind of gives you the rundown on all the Padres prospects and his on-deck classic at a Petco Park on the 26th of December, I believe. Yeah, 26th of December. Or 27th. I don't really know what date it is, Ralph. Uh, what do you say about uh, 27th, 22nd of December. Or December. It's September. Ralph, I need help here. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going crazy. All it's right. okay. <laughs> Texas Rangers lineup. All right, let's do this quick. Um, if I could pull this up before the day I got ends. it. You so got I, it? Oh, I'll, go I for go it. Up. Yep.
1: So uh, leadoff hitter J, uh, Julio Pablo Martinez playing left. Bubba Thompson's in right, batting second. Uh, Leone Tavares, center fielder, is batting third. Uh, Anderson Tejada, shortstop, batting cleanup. Curtis Terry, first baseman, batting fifth. Uh, Diosabel. Uh, uh, Arias, uh, batting six, playing third base. Sam Huff is behind the plate, batting seventh. Uh, Yoel Poza is the DH batting eighth and Yoni Hernandez men's the keystone and, uh, he bats ninth. So mm-hmm. kind of an interesting lineup there, especially I would say the top five of the top six. I don't really care that much about Terry, but Arias, Tejada, Tavares, Thompson, Martinez, interesting. I uh, also find it interesting that one, two, three, four of those guys are, uh, of the five that I just named, are um, international guys. Only one draft guy that I just mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Looking at the bench here, uh, Jonathan Ornealis uh, is on the bench. I believe was a draft pick this year. Uh, Yancy Pena is an interesting guy. I know that um, John Ashelman was, was uh, uh, texting me before, and uh, he had actually mentioned him. Uh, Miguel Apricio was a guy that didn't pop on lists last year uh, because he's really interesting from sort of an all-around perspective. He's a very good defender, uh, memory serves. And then another guy that they received in uh, a trade, I think it was for uh, Keenan uh, Kella, uh, was uh, Shirt and Apostle, which is oh, yeah. a third awesome. baseman. I've been really, really high on in the Pirates yep. system, dating back to off- last offseason. He's a monster. He's like 6'4", 220 a lot of power, had a really, really good season in, uh, I think, short season or high rookie uh, or advanced rookie ball this year. I have to check on what level he was at. But the numbers were really good. Um, I know he was, uh, yeah, I think it was with Bristol. So I want to say that that was advanced rookie ball. So um, he's another name to keep an eye out for. I don't know if he got into the game. Uh, in terms of pitching, I know the starter was A.J. Alexi, uh, who is a uh, a righty that they got uh, as part of the the, the U. Dar- Darvish return with Willie Calhoun. Um, well, Lexi had a really good numbers this year, um, in the Sally League. I actually think, yeah, it was Sally League, it was Hickory. Um, de- lots of strikeouts. Um, I think it's fastball. Fastball is like mid 90s, definitely could pop that. Um, breaking ball is a decent curveball, I believe. And then he's got a side of a get me over changeup. But, you know, the, uh, the fastball breaking ball combo has been really good. I've talked to, um, uh, 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 John Calvagno a couple times times almost drew a blank there. I was going to call him Sally. You know, it's John Calvagno, <laughs> friend of the show um, about him. And I think he did see Alexi throw um, and it more or less sort of echoed that, you know, fastball um, breaking ball guy. But there's definitely at least a, a pen future if he can't iron up the third pitch. But the numbers are really good in the second half. And obviously they, they, they have some belief in him. Uh, they have him start in this game. So yeah, I don't know. Anybody that sort of jumps out to you in the pen, uh, Cole win. Yes, that's what I was gonna go. Inning at. Here. Yep. I'll I'll kick it over to you on Cole win.
2: sure. Yeah. Obviously fifteenth overall pick from the Rangers this year high schooler. Uh, the interesting thing here is actually that uh, I see on Kyle Glazer tweet here is informing a lot of our uh, content here, which is we appreciate very, very much so. Um he didn't pitch an official game after signing actually. So I, I'm sure he played around obviously backfields and stuff and possibly was that instructs and whatnot, but this is cool. I like seeing him against this competition. He's a high school kid. The kid is young as heck and he's doing this and didn't look too good from one understanding. Apparently 91, 91 to 93, 83 to 85 on his changeup. Struggling with his control, 11 balls, seven strikes is not good but he struck out um, Jason Rosario actually on a 93 mile per hour fastball um, so it's a score of the six from him um, I believe in total. I'm not sure if his final line is here but uh, basically not. A, I don't think he gave up a ton of runs or anything but you got a strikeout but it didn't look good in terms of a control perspective but I've always kind of liked Colwyn. He was actually the guy I remember when Grayson Rodriguez went um, to the Orioles earlier in that draft. I actually think I had Colwyn above um, Grayson Rodriguez, even though I really liked how much Grayson Rodriguez was kind of increasing. I had Grayson Rodriguez more as I think the second half of the first round guy, but the Orioles really loved him. But Colwyn is a super athletic kid. Let me pull up his height weight here. But – um, he's a big kid. I really liked just how active his delivery was. very, very active front leg. He extends well. I thought his athleticism was good. It wasn't like a, a, kind of these other guys we've seen where it's not it's big, but it's not extending enough. And I just really like what I saw from Cole Wynn in terms of just what he did. And he was one of the better uh, I'm tr- I might be mixing him up with someone. But I think there was a pitcher who transferred out to California if i'm not if I'm not mistaken to pitch against better competition in his senior year of high school, and I think that was Cole Wynn. I might be messing that up. but I want to say it was him. I could be wrong. I'd like to yes. confirm that, so definitely confirm it. But, again, I like this delivery. I like a lot about this kid. And I like the fact that he has uh, – it seems to be his main pitch off-speed side, is changeup. I love that out of a young kid like this, especially a right-handed pitcher. Um, I mean, I'd have to think that at some point the Rangers would be able to develop a decent breaking ball with him. You're looking at a three-pitch kid out of high school. It's going to take some time. Again, it's going to be probably a four-year project. Obviously, he has pitch in a game. Next year, he's going to be his first pro ball, I would bet, full season look. So, um, he's definitely one to keep an eye on for me. I think he could end up being one of the better arms in this draft.
1: Yeah, so he uh, transferred after his junior year at Silver Creek High School in Longmont, Colorado. Yep. Uh, for his senior year, he did uh, Lutheran High School of Orange County in Orange yeah, County. And
2: Cal baseball is insane. Cal high school baseball yeah. is very, very competitive. And, and I mean, he was he the man. Very well there. Yeah. 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 He
1: was the best. Pl- he was considered the best player in California uh, this mm. year, just in terms of you know his actual performance. Over the course of the season, so yeah, interesting lineup. I think there's some guys there that we, we want to see some more from. I, I know yes. Julio Pablo Martinez yes. is certainly a player that I'm I'm interested in. I want to see more. I just I, I need to see some tape. I've seen some bits and pieces from you know uh, what he was doing. I think in the the Northwest League or the Pioneer yep. League, whatever, North um, North where I caught him. It was Northwest League, right? I get mm-hmm. the two confused because they're about the same place, right? Um, but either way, so uh, you know tools. We know the Cuban hype. We know what he signed for, but we got to see something here because we've seen the bust too, right? That we've had, we've had the guys that have been golden, guys that have have really been, you know, awesome players. Jose Abreu, you know, uh, Cespedes. I mean, even Moncada to an extent. Like he's in the majors now, and he's still young, and there's still a lot of promise there. We've seen the, the Rosny Castillos. We've seen some of these guys come over. Alex Guerrero. Some of these guys that were considered. Ready made players. I mean, who was the guy, the other guy that uh, Hector Oliveira, right? Yes, you that's him? another one. Yep, I do remember. All him. these guys are really the big pros. They're going to come here. They're going to, you know, knock our socks. So even Yuli Guriel Yur- has been a good player, but not nearly as good as I think some of the reports were sort of uh, hyping him up to. Same thing with Lourdes, all good players, but mm-hmm. how good can Julio Pablo Martinez be? Because we were, we were guaranteed this was a, a top 100 type <laughs> talent. We want to give him some time to adjust, shake the rust off. Let's see what happens. The other guy is, is Leoni Tavares, who I think we all see the amount of tools this guy has right across the board. There's so much promise, especially the untapped power potential he can run. There's a good hit tool. He's always been really young for every level, but we still haven't seen like a great season from him yet. You know, even right. something that would and, and I don't even and, and my baseline for a great season with a guy that that's that's that age playing against such advanced competition would really just be like an above average season within the league. And I don't think that we've really gotten that from the OD, uh, Tavares, maybe it comes next year, but with each passing year, he gets a little bit older and we have a little bit less glimmer, I think on him as a prospect. Now this has happened before. There's been guys like Alberto, uh, Monessi, who obviously has been tremendous over the last couple of months. Um, he's a guy that was always young for every level, I mean, we, we judged him unfairly, or maybe he's just going complete Byron Buxton at the end of the season. That remains to be seen. Um, But either way, I think that it's, it's similar and there's maybe a lesson to be learned there, not to give up on these guys, not to write them off. um, Especially when they're so young. I mean, he's only 20 years old playing in, you know, high a playing in the Carolina league. It's not an easy league to play in, but you know, he's WRC plus he's 85. So he's a below average offensive player in that league even if it was WRC of like 105 to like 110, mm-hmm. I would be completely satisfied with that. That would be a tremendous season, all things considered. But, you know, you've had other guys like Anderson Tejada, who's not as hyped up, but, and he's got his knocks, but he's hit too, right? Yep, so, yep. not that I'm saying Tejada, I certainly would rank Tavares ahead of Tejada, but maybe it's a little bit closer than our perception um, is on a lot of these guys. And I think, that's one of the things that we have to struggle with when we look at these players and why we want to see them, why we want to hear as much information as we can about the things they're working on, uh, the things that they're struggling with, you know, and and just sort of the underlying, maybe the type of players they are, you know, all that sort of makeup stuff. Any of that information I feel like I can take in a player all goes into the evaluation because we don't want to get caught up in perception to the point that we come in with like a preconceived notion of what a player is going to be. And we have to be completely proven wrong all the time. We have to be somewhat blank each time we look at it, and then compile that information and build an idea, and and be willing to either you know downgrade that player or upgrade that player. And and I don't know. I guess I'm going on a rant now, but no, I feel good. like I, like I feel here. like with but I seriously I think and I think that with a guy like Tavares, we have to start taking a stronger look at him. Do we move him outside of the top fifty on prospect list? Because I quite honestly I just don't think that he's earned it. There's other mm-hmm. guys that have come in and surpassed him who were younger than him that were amateurs when he was on top prospect list, right? I mean, there's a handful of those guys. And, even, I'm, and I'm talking about guys that are his, his age. There's 19-year-olds that we didn't know who they were three years ago that <laughs> are now probably better players. I don't know. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent now, but I feel like, to a certain extent, Tavares is a perfect example of why we need to consistently reevaluate. and You can't be scared to downgrade a player a little bit even if you take that lesson from Mondesi, like I mentioned, so I'm trying to balance it here a little bit and contradict myself, but I don't know. I I think he's an interesting case. Am I wrong? I feel like he's so different from other guys that because so much of it has been based on perceived scouted value, right? Of these, these tools and they're going to translate. Yeah. And it's too, too, like, like an extreme, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's a
2: hyper-athlete. I remember, I've always been... Yeah. I mean, you go back, I think, to our Rangers pod from last year. I always was... I don't want to pour cold water on him, but I always just thought a lot of the aspects of a swing were level. He's a really athletic kid, and I get to made those adjustments. Yeah. But I was always like it just feels gap to gap. Like, and if you want to make those adjustments and project them out, sure. But I think that even if he makes them, it's not going to end up being 25 plus power, which is, I think what most people squinted and were like, yes, let's put him inside the top 30. Cause I think that's a possibility. I just don't think it's a possibility. And, and jumping back to the, the on deck game here very quickly. Um, you know, I agree with you in saying like these top three guys of this lineup, Bubba Thompson, uh, Julio Papa Martinez and Lodi Tavares are just hyper athletic guys. Like, we think to the Angels, the other AOS team here, we think to the Angels and we see Joey Dell, Jordan Adams, uh, all these guys like that, you know, that level of athleticism that we really like and that we Brandon kind of Marsh. swoon over. Yeah, Brandon Marsh and other guys too. And then the Rangers have quietly three other guys who just aren't of the same caliber at the moment, unfortunately, but are a similar type. They've built their farm system on hyper-athletic guys like Julio Pau Martinez is a five-tool athlete who just has a ton of swing and miss right now. Who did not perform well, too well. I don't believe in the Northwest League. Kyle Glazer has him here swinging through two 95-mile-per-hour fastballs for two strikeouts in this game, which is something that you really don't want to see. But I guess the positive spin on this is you look at a guy like Bubba Thompson, similar profile again. You have five tools there. You're hoping a few of them end up End up becoming better than what you expect him to currently be in him to polish off. He turns on a 98 mile per hour fastball in this game and breaks the tie. And the, the Rangers on deck team or whatever you want to call it ends up winning five to three. And it's interesting. I mean, I think that one of the more interesting guys in this game, I mean, Cole Wynn, obviously for me is, as I just mentioned, but Julio the Martinez might be it for me. Cause I, he was super highly touted. And I don't, I don't know if we want to transition to first year player draft stuff just yet, but I guess we kind of can, if you want Ralph, but, but what I was going to bring up was just that if you look at a guy like Victor Victor, okay, where there's so much hype around him right now, but we haven't seen him on really U.S. soil or anything. I know he's coming over here to work out a little bit, and he'll hopefully be signed within the next couple months to give us some kind of uh, off-season uh, off-season hype, hopefully, and see how that, that signing affects his player stock, et cetera. But Julio Par martinez was a similar caliber of guy. I, I don't know if it's 100% one-to-one. It seems like Victor Victor is more consensus. No. Is yeah. Victor Victor substantially better? I feel like Julio uh, Pablo. What I've,
1: heard, what I've heard is that Julio Pablo was like the number three guy in the outfield with like Louis Robert and okay. Victor okay. Victor. Yeah. Okay.
2: So maybe I'm, maybe I'm overdoing him a little bit. No, but, but it, but it, but he it was, was touted. Still...
1: he was like the but biggest it, signing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it was still, you know what? I look back on it. It was a little Rosny Castillo ish. Cause yeah. it was like that across the board. Well, he's got defense and speed and good hit and he strikes out a little bit, but he will hit for some power. And you're kind of like, we should be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I don't know. I just, I think about that and I think about the fact that
2: it was really interesting. I've seen a lot of dichotomy of takes on on Julio Pau Martinez just from other analysts. Honestly, an industry. I'm not sure I fall on him. I'd love to see him live. I'm sure he's extremely I athletic don't... and all these other things. He's got speed. He's got an arm. He can yeah. got range. He could probably stay in the outfield at a plus spot there and play well. But this, there's there's a, a lot of problems in the bat. It's going to take some development time. So, I, I, I'll take back that Victor Victor to him comp, but... I guess more in theory, just these guys come over and then we see them. And and especially on these hyper athletes from Cuba. And it's, we get a bit, a little bit better of a perception of them. I think recently, you is another great comp there. Another guy with a lot of tools who came over and hasn't really come to anything really. And now he's sitting in triple A for the Red Sox. But, but I guess back to the Rangers, you know, again, just, just, I find it interesting that they're quietly kind of built their, their minor league system offensively on extremely talented, high upside prospects who have a decent chance to bust, honestly. and, it's it's a boomer bust scenario, and I guess that's kind of what the Rangers want to into. But I'm a little worried, honestly. I'd be a little worried if I was a Rangers fan long term of of how this team is kind of built in terms of what they value, in terms of the depth of their minor league system, how top heavy it is, how risk related I think some of their guys are, honestly, especially with the high school arm like Cole Wynn, And if they don't really they seem to kind of not, have not lingered in the last couple of years either. They're kind of like a tweener team, honestly, Ralph. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm getting into analysis of the type, uh, the Rangers here unexpectedly, but I guess maybe I'm just saying I don't, I'm not in love with their minor league system. I think is what I'm saying. I'd like a little more of a floor here, and it's really hard to compare it when you're looking at it but side by side next to the Padres, honestly, because that's just another world. But I don't know. I'd like to see more depth in terms of the Rangers system. Maybe there's more than there that I'm seeing, but um, yeah, these Tavares, Thompson, and and Martinez are obviously the trio of guys that I think are there. Are their biggest, and they really need them to hit, and Cole Wynn is that pitcher that they really, really need to hit on in terms of this pick, and you never know. Maybe they'll have a couple more top-ten picks in the future, but uh, again, Rangers win this game of 5-3.
0: The soul of summer in Columbus. The long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars, the just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers, long live summer, and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash liveforward.
2: Um, we could transition to some first-year player drive-off. I think we're about at the 35-minute mark, so I think it's a really good transition time. Um, I don't know. Do you want to just uh, talk about roadware first, maybe?
1: Yeah. Why don't we give a big shout out to my main man Kenny Cashman? I don't know if you realize this, but Kenny came out with some Yankees shirts. Yes,
2: I saw this. Amazing. One
1: that says "That's Baseball Susan." And did you see who was rocking it? Alex Rodriguez. Alex freaking Rodriguez. That's so. If you want to dress as nicely as a man who gets to share a bed with Jennifer Lopez and a lot of other beautiful women, you can go on to <laughs> rotoware.com and you can purchase this t-shirt. While you're there, you can go and buy some actual rotoware brand. So I want to make this clear, rotoware brand. So like the actual like fantasy shirts that are, you know, the, the the high quality ones, not the stuff that's constantly coming out with the new designs. That's the stuff you can use our promo code on. Or you could sign up for the mailing list, and I believe he gives you maybe like 10% off all your purchases on the site or something like that. Uh, and that's on everything if you sign up for the roto mailing list. So do that as well, but definitely use our promo code if you buy in those shirts, see if it works. If not, you can hit us up. Hit up Kenny, let me know. Either way, Roto-Wear, We've talked about all the different designs they have. Um, I have a, a one on underneath the sweater that I'm wearing right now. Um, it's the Exit Velo City shirt. Probably should take this off. I'm not a Yankees fan. What the heck am I thinking? <laughs> but either way, I love you, Kenny. I just hope your team doesn't win come September. <laughs>
2: I love it. I thought that was amazing. He's had some unbelievable celebrities recently between the Big Al sticker shirt and that one where it. And if that's not an endorsement of Kenny, I don't know what is. Alex Bregman. We have Alex Bregman with that. Oh, Aaron Hicks was wearing that one too? Man, I love it. I love seeing Kenny succeed. He's a really good guy. And he makes some unbelievable t-shirts that everyone needs to Go up and scoop. I've been vulturing. I think I missed some of the ones that he debuted on uh, Twitter and stuff. He's been doing so many. I like went back through his catalog the other day and I was like, I don't remember that one. And I really like he had some a uh, cardinal relevant one and some other ones that I, I have to scoop up. So I gotta gotta save some money up, Ralph, and go and drop uh, another another hundred hundred bucks and give me some four or five shirts. You know, I mean, that's the that's the move. It's the move for myself for Christmas. I think is gonna be what it is. Um, the,
1: Kenny's the plug Kenny's, Kenny's the, plug. the plug
2: Exactly. alright Ralph first year player draft we're going back to your list here let me pull it up and we going run through it you give me kind of general thoughts and let on some guys I got some questions here that I want to ask you um, so this was published on July 8th 2018 um, you termed it edition 1 your top 10 Alec Boom 1 Jonathan India 2 Nick Madrigal 3 Casey Mize 4 Trevor Larnock 5 Nolan Gorman 6 Victor Victor 7 Jared Kelnick 8 Jordan Groshans 9 Kyler Murray 10 Jordan Adams, 11 tribes, strategy 12. I tossed those two in there. Cause I think they might be interesting guys to discuss as well. That is your 12 right there. Yes. Again, back on July 8th, obviously, obviously some movement since then, I believe on our most recent mailback show, we talked briefly about what our top five would be. I don't remember what I said, unfortunately, so I'm probably going to change. Do I, one. but, uh, <laughs> you know, this is one of the things this is where it's going to be fluid until we get out on prospects live and we solidify and uh, etch it into a uh, tombstone, so to speak. And that's coming, set it on the ground and there it is. But uh, that is coming soon. So, I think we kind of touched the one question I had was like, how does the Victor Victor's team affect his stock? Do you want to start there? I think that's kind of an interesting point. Cause you had him at seven. I'd be interested to see if you'd move him up or down um, without yeah. really much playing time or information. I got to um, see him
1: from people I trust too. And there's, yeah, I mean there, and there are people that I can hit like in DMS and text messages that might give me a little bit more information and be like, yeah, this guy is very legit. So if I start to get some of that and I'm high on Victor Victor, there's a reason, but I'm very skeptical with a lot of these, these Cuban players. Cause like a lot of Japanese players, this seems to be a significant amount of hype that can come over with a lot of these guys that you have to sort of separate fact from fiction. Mm-hmm. And Garcia is very heavily touted as much as we've seen since Louis Robert.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's, it, that's, it's interesting in terms of what mm. exactly happens. I mean, the funny thing is that it seems like a lot of people are kind of saying the Orioles should just hop on him because <laughs> um, they have the money and they've obviously made some initiatives. But at the same time, we don't really know where the player development sits. It's going to be a new regime, I believe, being brought in. I think they acknowledged this season that they needed to improve a variety of things. And all of those things ended up being like the integral parts of development and, and player organization and, and managing a team, which was, I guess, concerning. But I guess they're addressing it, which is the positive there. So uh, I don't know if the Orioles... I, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, do you, if he goes to the Orioles, do you downgrade his stock at all? I guess that's my question.
1: I don't know because if he goes to the Orioles, and we already know that the Orioles are going to be able to draft Bobby Witt Jr., <laughs> right? Yeah, so so they might be building a freaking juggernaut. Or they again,
2: go to Eddie but... Rushman or something like that because yeah, I know I he's been yeah. kind of consensus. Oh, bit, they totally so.
1: would. They it have the Orioles move. They're gonna yeah they'll they'll try to make the Matt Weeders thing happen. But either way, <laughs> um, yeah, I I you know, oh, I, I don't want to downgrade him because I yeah, feel like right. it's not necessarily bad for an offensive player like. If he was a pitcher, and this is like Shohei Otani or what's the—I'm going to butcher his name. What's the the Japanese kid that's coming over this year?
2: Uh, I don't know. I think you stumped me here.
1: Oh, good, great. I'm I'm glad that I kicked it over to you and made us both <laughs> like fools. But anyway, so we'll look that up in a second. Yeah, oh, just... I, I don't know. I haven't been keeping up with the international market on that,
2: and so you stump me. Hold I'll I'll pull it over. So it's All like
1: right. it's like if he came over and went to the Orioles. Yeah, I'm definitely going to downgrade him, but. I don't know how much – I think he could probably move more up than down in terms of his team for me. I wouldn't necessarily downgrade him uh, because I think that I've kind of – having him seven, and I I think I'd probably keep him out of my top five or six still. This is a a pretty deep class. There's a lot of players I like, a lot of hitters I like. Unless I know that he's special, I'm comfortable having him there because I can move him up maybe a couple of spots. And it's not such a big deal in a draft. If I felt like taking the risk, maybe I'll jump on him over somebody else, diversify the players that I've added. But it's, it's, uh, it's so tough with a guy like that because I definitely have built in the risk with having him at seven, knowing that there's potential one, one upside, like slam dunk, right. Best guy that you could get type upside. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard. I mean, cause you never know. And you never know what, you know, what a guy like, um, uh, Mario Luciano, isn't it? It's, it's, yes. it's, I like know, that kid from, a lot from the giants. From, yeah. From the giants. Just watching him you don't, today. you don't know what a guy like that's going to be in a year. Cause we didn't know what Wander Samuel Franco was going to be. <laughs> in a year. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's serious. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, Christ, I, I put up my top one hundred list. I had him at eighty-two. You told me I had him too high. And it turns out that yes. he was he we didn't know what he was gonna be in three weeks. You know? That's <laughs> insane. Man. And that's the thing. When we don't get a lot of looks on these guys, it's a guessing game because you know, when we look at somebody like Alec Bohm, Jonathan India, even even somebody like Matthew Levatore, these guys have been vetted. Like We've vetted the crap out of these guys. I mean, next year when I talk about Andrew Vaughn, when we start to do first-year player drafts for 2019, or yeah, and, you've and looks draft and looks. stuff. I've gotten tons of looks. Half the guys that are like ranked in the top 20 for college players, I've seen. Have Ron Wareham, Bryson Stott. Like, yep. I've been able to see those guys firsthand, and I've seen them five, six, seven, eight times. Yep, so. I love it. You know, for me, it's vetted and then I can go and I can watch their games and I know who they're playing against and what the competition's like. And I have a general lay of the land. I have no idea yeah. what a guy is that's, you know, been in workouts. All I see him do is essentially taking batting practice in shorts and, <laughs> and an Under Armour shirt True. and yeah. maybe and maybe a baseball hat. And watch him mash baseballs, and then watch him play a little bit of defense, and how strong his arm is, and how he can, you know, run this this fast from first, you know, from from home to first. Like that's all we get with a lot of those guys, and we don't know how it applies to a game. So I think nope. there's an, there's it, it's it's a very superficial take on those guys. That mm-hmm. unless you're on the backfield, unless you're down in the Dominican Republic. And you talk, or you're so well connected that you talk to the people that are just so in the know. And these guys don't give you bad opinions, and they don't screw up. I think it's a it's a guessing game. It's 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 a guess, and that's why uh, it's hard for me. Luciano could be the best player in this class, just I like agree. Victor. Victor, think so. Yeah. A year from now, we just don't know yet. You know, and it's 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 hard to make that determination because there's so many of these guys that pop. A year later, but there's a lot of them that don't. You know, for every guy that's a uh, Louis Garcia from the Phillies, there's a Jorge Ona. You know, um, and and there's a lot of those stories that it goes both ways. So anyway, I'm I'm kind of on a rant here, but I don't know if I downgrade him on the team, um, but I think I could upgrade him depending upon the team.
2: I agree with that. Yeah, I think you're completely fair with that. Uh, your top five, Ralph. In July of eighth of twenty eighteen again is Alec Bohm, India Madrigal, Mize Larnock. I believe there is some movement in this.
1: Yes, where? Rummy me down. What's the top five? No, A lot of movement. No, number one, number one, Nolan Gorman. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've moved Gorm, I've moved Gorman up to one. I'm not backing off of that one whatsoever. Now I think there is some question now for who number two should be, and. I think it's a toss-up still between Bomb and India for me. I like the profile a lot. And I just I just think that the skills play a little bit more than Larnock's do. Larnack is, is creeping there though. Larnack now for me is is four. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go um Bomb because we didn't see him. I'm gonna, I'm willing to, to write off the injuries and some of the struggles. Bomb two, because he was my one, so I don't want to back off of that too much. Indy was my two. I have India three, so I'm not downgrading them too much. I'm not worried about the numbers he put up in the Midwest League. It doesn't concern me. Um, number four, I'm going to go Trevor Larnock, and then I'm going to give you my hottest take of the oh. season. Oh, Xavier Edwards is my number five.
2: Oh, baby. I, are you, you, told me pre- <laughs> you told me pre-show you had a hot take on Edwards. I wasn't sure where you were going with it, but well, that is a movement. That is a movement.
1: And I'm gonna and I'm gonna have this this hot take on on Xavier Edwards. And I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down to you like this. Everybody's high on Nick Madrigal, who is a middle infielder with a hit tool and a little bit of speed. What if I could told, if I told you that Nick Madrigal was a switch hitter with cleaner swing mechanics, was more athletic, was bigger, better chance to stick at shortstop. Oh, and he had 80 grade speed. Yeah. Are you interested? Can I interest you in in, in a 2018 Xavier Edwards? Yeah, I,
2: I think the one counter to that, just because I've always been the Madrigal guy here. And again, I think this goes you back like to the floors. fact. <laughs> I love floors, which is where I, I still think I land with Madrigal 1, Bump 2. Um, sure. I, Edwards is really interesting, though. I really want to look at him. And I there was actually a cool video on the Padres Twitter account of him taking a BP hack. And in, I say hack because I, I literally mean one hack. I guess they went through some of their guys, but I would love to see that BP. It's a nice open face video, too. It's actually a really clean video. Um, The swing is very compact, um, which is interesting specifically because I still squint and see some power coming with Nick Madrigal. I know everyone says it's like 20, 30 power, but that can, can get to like 14 home runs at peak, 15 home runs at peak. I think he could just be a, a freaking workhorse in terms of what he could do production-wise on the average side of things. Whereas Xavier Edwards, again, I get that it's probably gonna take him some longer time, and maybe I would agree there's possibly more upside. I think that actually I would 100% agree with that. I think the Magic, I'm, I'm almost putting him one because of all the floor, because we literally think he could be up next year or late. Honestly, like it just that service exactly. time doesn't matter as much. They're gonna own him through his age 29 season, regardless. I believe uh, if I'm getting his age right, and. It's one of those things. Like, eh, eh, Bring him up. Bring him up and let's see. He's going to be a positive player. I bet he's going to be like a 2R guy. He's going to be batting 280 to 300 at the major level consistently. It's a matter of power development for him. And with Xavier Edwards, I think it's a little bit different in terms of how long it's going to take and all these other things. And I know you like the investment side of things, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I feel like everyone's trying to talk me off this ledge just because everyone's like, I see him as an everyday regular magic Raw, but I don't see him as being a star. And I know you kind of want to go star hunting at one, but... I almost feel like if yeah, if, early I, I, do. I guess it depends on my team. I guess it depends on my team. I don't know, but I'm still gonna stick. I'm gonna stick. I actually was looking back to our mailbag pod. I want to keep it consistent, so I went magical boom, India Mize, Gorman, Kelnick, Swaggerty, Kelnick Swaggerty. I'd like to switch up. I'm um, not sure who I'd go with, but I do have Gorman was five. That, so. Was
1: was I consistent or did I, did I deviate? I deviated on Edwards. Edwards is Edwards is the deviation. The more I think you
2: were consistent on the others though. I don't have yours yeah. written down right here, unfortunately. And magical,
1: magical is still my six, and I think it's. Yep. Be, so I'm not moving them out like completely. Um, from there, if we're just going to go through the top 10, um, sure. I'm way yeah. off of pitching. So I, I, I am going, I am, going, I am going to avoid Mize a little bit. Um, I'm going to move up a guy like Jordan Adams, probably up to number seven, because I really do like Adams yes, a yes. ton. I I, once, mentioned this, but once again, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like a whore for this profile. Like I can't, I can't avoid it. Um, so I, I, that's number seven, right? So I guess in terms of number eight, Um, I'm going to go, uh, Kalenic. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, Jordan Groshans next. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, I think it's a really interesting conversation. I'm going to go Mize, but I think that then you start to look at guys like Swaggerty, Bart. Do you want to make the jump with Kyler Murray? Do you think Kyler Murray, once he comes to baseball full time, can be that sort of difference maker um, other guys that I think are interesting at that spot Alec Thomas is a guy that I'll probably consider somewhere yeah, right around my that. top 10 I watched a lot of Alex Thomas I like him Alec Thomas I like him a lot Jeremiah Jackson I think is pushing into that area he's really interesting as a player Tristan Pompey I think is kind of on the cusp but he's kind of in the same conversation as a few other guys that are similar to him. So we have Tristan Pompey. The other guys, I think, that are in that conversation are Negro Horner, who we're yes. going to see in the Arizona Fall yes, League. We will, which is awesome. And Grayson uh, Genista. Mm-hmm. And now, the reason I bring those three guys up is because they're advanced college hitters who jump through the lower levels of the minors to full season levels and were still impressive. Now, Horner was for a few games because he was injured, but I don't think there was any... Um, doubt that this guy could hit, you know, obviously with a wood bat and could hit professional pitching in the lower level. So Nico Horner's is an interesting guy. I think those three guys for me are kind of on the cusp because there's not as much upside, but there is a lot of floor there. And maybe we're even selling the upside a little bit short because they just, you know, they took to pro ball, like a fish to water. And I mean, Janice does hit, Everywhere he's been, this guy was the MVP of the Cape Cod League back in 2017. Um, he's a lefty bat, which I think helps a lot. Good on base guy. Sneaky athleticism, so he can run a little bit. And I think he's going to tap into more power uh, as he gets into some more friendly power-friendly confines outside of the Florida State League. So he's a really interesting guy for me. Uh, and they're kind of on the outside of that cusp of that top 10. Um, any thoughts and stuff that I'm sort of throwing out here now? Because I have to say that. I haven't written a lot about it because I've been thinking a ton about the first-year player draft Mm -hmm. this year. And over the last couple of months, as I start to prepare for my drafts and to do the list that I'm going to release on Prospects Live, uh, probably in the next, I'd say, few weeks to a month, um, there's been a lot of movers. This has been an interesting class because I think that so many guys were so close that a lot of it was kind of show and prove.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I think that the funniest thing is that, I see some guys here who just have high floors, and I, I'm going to go to Larnock on this too because I've seen some uh, quite a bit of Larnock actually this year a couple yeah. times, and I like what I've seen. I just think it's a very advanced profile. The profile doesn't need much polishing, but determining where his power ends up is, is a bit of a difficulty for me in terms of what I see from his swing, some of the movement in there. It's it's really good bat speed even with some of the length that he has, I think, and he's able to barrel up balls very well. Very nice walk strikeout ratio, I believe, in the Midwest with Cedar Rapids. I think there's a solid everyday major league player there. And I think that that becomes a little bit more of a want around five, as opposed to maybe going with a guy like, uh, I'd even say maybe like a Jordan Adams, where I think there's going to be swing and miss there for maybe a longer period of time. Then obviously there will be with Larnock because he's a polished college guy, et cetera. But I think that you can make a case there for Larnock or for a guy like Jordan Adams. And they're very, very different profiles in that respect. I think Larnock you will see in the, Probably, you have an ETA here at 2020, I would agree with that. I think that he ends up in 2020, he's going to be like a 23, 24-year-old at that point. He's going to hit probably 270, he's going to maybe pop 15, 18 home runs and give you decent everything else. And in But he's not going to blow you away is what I see in that. And I like that a bit, and it's almost a reason for me to elevate him. But for some reason, I just end up with Madrigal at one, again, I, my own reasons. And then Gorman, too, is another guy I've seen a bit of, and again, in the Midwest League, where I think that this – time frame for him is just something that is going to take longer than people think. And I think we discussed this a little bit. I know Kylie McDaniel from Fangraphs has him as a 22 to 2022 kind of debut guy. And I, I know that's taking it slow, but with how they treated him in the Midwest League in terms of moving him down in the order late in the year and his success that very quickly waned, unfortunately, I... I don't want to say I saw this coming, but I, I almost guarantee at some point on this podcast I did mention the fact that he was facing about 88% or 80-something percent right-handed pitching in Johnson City, in the Appy League, and that was a massive reason, I think, for his success, and I believe if you look at his splits for this year, it's it's not great against left-handed pitching, and that's going to be his problem, and I think that if he's already experiencing those issues in Midwest League, it's going to take time, and... My thing is, I, I almost don't want to put them in the top three because I think there's going to be an extended period of time, say three or four or five months, where the stock on Gorman is going to fall. And you're going to see guys like Mize, just because, they're so, because of proximity, you're going to see guys like Mize, India, you're going to see guys like Alec Boehm, a lot of these guys that are just advanced college hitters that can move up through systems quicker and contribute to teams. You're going to see a lot of people start to value those guys over Gorman. And that is the time where I want Gorman. Because I believe in Gorman. I just, relative to what we're looking at in terms of the baseline that a lot of these college guys give, that's my concern in a fantasy league from a fantasy perspective. That is my concern, is that you're sitting on Gorman through 2022 until you get him a polished Gorman you hope. I think he can 100% get there. I have full faith in him to get there and be able to hit some left-handed pitching. He's got insanely quick hands in person. His power is the best raw power in this class. But I just... I'm concerned comparing him at points to other advanced college bats and guys that I think will move quicker. And the fact that I think there's going to be a very nice buy window that opens up on Gorman later in his career, possibly say end of next year when he's still maybe not even out of Palm Beach. I, I honestly would be surprised if they keep him in – excuse me, I would not be surprised if they keep him in Peoria, Peoria for almost the entirety of the year. And if, if, that's a, if that's a problem for people, then sure. But I just think that taking a guy like that one – it's just tough for me. I think if I had wanted a first-traer player draft, I would not pick Gorman, is what I'm saying. But I mm-hmm. and it's mainly because I think there's gonna be a nice window where you can buy him. And I I'm always gonna I'm always gonna like him. I'm always gonna buy on a kid like this. And if he's a late bloomer, he's a late bloomer. This is this is my Gorman rant. But I like him, I just can't put him okay. in there. And I, I feel like I have weird thoughts on a lot of these guys, Ralph. I don't know. I'm I'm really torn. I really don't know where to put I have, Victor. I have
1: weird I have weird thoughts on a lot of these guys. The the
2: Kellnick too, <laughs> Kelnik's a guy I really, really like the profile of. He's like a weird blend of high schooly upside but he's yeah. got some floor i think his baseline hit tool is substantially better than known gorman's and i think that lends to a little bit more of quicker progression and obviously a little more attractiveness as you get the proximity card pulled up um kyler murray i want to ask you a question because i know you like kyler murray a lot yeah. um and, and this is more of a psychological thing but how much do you think his stock is gonna be affected by football like if he does really well with ou like do you think he's gonna he inflate in value uh, a little bit
1: he's like third- continues to do well He's third on the sports book right now for the Heisman voting. That's okay. crazy. Yeah. I love he's it. He's a legit it. Heisman candidate and I've watched a ton of them and he is exciting. Um, and he's more of a passer than I think you probably would think. I don't know. See, I, I, I kind of love it with this kid. Like I feel like he obviously loves, um, you know, sports, you know, loves football, But what I kind of can appreciate is the fact that he has this opportunity to play professional baseball and he could have just given it up for the money. But this is something that he chased for years and years. He was at Texas A&M. I think he was recruited right after Johnny Manziel left. Um, Had to transfer out of there. You know, obviously had to sit behind Baker Mayfield last year. This was his opportunity to do this one thing for one year with a huge program on a team that has, you know, national championship aspirations and he doesn't get a dime out of this. He doesn't get any money out of it's this. True. He doesn't. Yeah. And, and Which I love some, that. I love that. Something from a character about perspective. that draws that to me, draws me to that kid. I want to root for that guy. And it's not like it's ever hurt a lot of players before. It didn't hurt Deion Sanders. Uh, did certainly didn't certainly <laughs> yeah. didn't hurt Bo Jackson. See, I, I also grew up in that that era. I mean, I'm I was born in '82. So like I remember when Bo Jackson was bigger than Michael Jordan. You know, like Bo Jackson was like it. So I don't know. Maybe I like these guys that play multiple sports and and it kind of draws me in a little bit, but I I think it will hurt his stock with certain draft rooms for sure. Um, Do I think it hurts his stock prospect list wise, baseball, America, baseball, prospectus us? No, no. I don't think it will that much because I think people are still going to look at it from a scouting perspective and say, these are the tools. This is the kind of player I project him out to be. If he's not injured with Oklahoma, and we'll probably know by that point because yeah. they're at, at best, they play one game in January, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or two. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's gonna inherit him that much. I just I think people are gonna say, hey, this is the player this guy can be, these are the tools, this is what we think the makeup. Ultimately, is going to end up, you know, where it's going to end up. This is the player we're, we're we're gambling on. Baseball America already did that. The Oakland Athletics already did that. I think I think other people will follow suit. Um, it's too exciting of a profile to to just throw out. You know, I I think we have to pay attention to the kind of player this guy can be. Um, and with all of that football stuff lingering in the background, the fact that a pretty smart organization that's been on a pretty good run of late in the Oakland athletics society was willing to go aggressive and take on this project in the top 10 and to spend that money and make that investment. Knowing all that, that says a lot to me about what they know about this guy. I agree with you. So yeah. I, I, he's tough though. He's tough to rank. I, I think he's tough outside of the top 10. And you know, if you want to go with the value play versus all those college guys I was mentioning, I mean, there's a ton. I mean, like, Swaggerty, Bart, uh, Genista, as I was talking about. Seth Beer, who I forgot to mention is one of them. Nico Horner is the other guy. Um, Jeremy Ironman, I'm definitely going to downgrade a ton. He did not look good mm. in the New York Penn League. And then you got all these other arms, right? Then you got guys like Wynn that we talked about. We yep. got a guy like Matthew Levitore, who's an arm that's really, really impressive, but he's really far away. Yep. Then we have a guy like Brady Singer, who's probably a little bit closer. Um, and then you have a guy like Tristan Cassius, who has a ton of upside in terms of power potential. Um, and he's a guy we didn't see at all because he was injured right after the draft. Um, it's this is a I would say this is a deep class. Not necessarily deep from the sense that I think there's a lot of superstars, but deep from the sense that I think there's a lot of future major leaguers and a lot of good players that, in terms of evaluation, are very close in terms of future value.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're spot on with that. I think that there's a lot of really, really interesting names in the back half of the first round of this too. You're looking at first-year player drafts. Like second-round guys in first-year player drafts are going to be interesting because that's where you're going to get a lot of these arms. If people aren't interested in going arms, you're going to get guys like Libertor going there. You're going to get guys like Shane McClanahan. You know, is another one too. It Probably ended up reliever really bound. Mm-hmm. Logan Gilbert is a guy I really, really like coming out of the draft. He's with the Mariners. They haven't developed really anything too well, but I still like that kid out of Stetson, honestly, in terms of what he was able Josiah to offer. Gray. Josiah Gray is another one whose his stock is. If, in, inflating insanely high um yeah there's a ton here that's interesting
1: man it's, it's Ethan Hankins a, Ethan... <laughs> there's a Ethan lot like there's Hankins. a lot of guys but Hankins is a guy that you could take a you know oh
2: for sure it's you could on. take Why a not? shot
1: on a little bit later now and that could blow for you that could turn into and now I'm back in on Hankins and in first year player drafts because it's
2: value yeah
1: because I feel like there's value there, and it's absolutely. like, hey, there's this upside. That's the kind of pitching prospect you take a a shot on because you're not wasting a high pick on a man, you know, and you're still getting that upside with that nasty stuff. I mean, his fastball is is about as good as there is. And some of the reports I saw from, I think he was throwing in instructs, um, they were positive. I think he actually sure. got beat up, and they said it they were still positive. So That's when good. they get That's beat good. up and 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 the scouts are still saying nice things that that says something.
2: Oh, absolutely. Ralph, are we done here? This is a good pot. I think we made this done. work. A Lot we're of a lot of talk on uh, a lot of rambling, Gr- but I enjoyed it.
1: Grant, Grant Levine, Josh Stowers, Just so I can say those names: Parker Meadows, Bryce <laughs> Durang. I didn't I didn't forget those true, guys. True. True. They're there. I I still don't like Griffin Griffin Conan.
2: Not a big Griffin Conan yeah? guy. No, I remember seeing him no. in the Cape. He was he wasn't bad. I uh, I remember one of the debates we I, I think I mentioned this debate to you a while ago, but it was between Nick Alec Thomas, and. Mike Ciani, were the three? It kind of these like three outfield guys, all pretty interesting. You have them all between 31 and 43, and I think each of those guys is another guy. Again, you're going to look at these guys Thomas. in the third, third, fourth round. You like Thomas a lot, but like say third, fourth round where guys aren't looking at Schnell, Tom uh, um, Schnell, who Alec Thomas and uh, Ciani. I don't know. There's a lot. There's going to be some really interesting value picks. I, I like them. Think. Yeah, study for your I, I, draft if you're going to Thomas come out of your draft is ready.
1: Red. Thomas is ready, and I think the element that Thomas has going for him is the fact that he was around major league clubhouses because his dad is a strength and conditioning coach for the freaking Chicago White Sox. Yeah, and yeah. he's got that going for him too—that he like understands nutrition, he understands his body. Like this dude is like Drago, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins. Like this dude is manufactured to be a professional athlete. I'm serious. So I'm I'm just so in on Alex Thomas that, that I, he's easy top 15 for me. Like I love, love him.
0: it. <laughs> and now I, just and gotta I probably gauge. watched
1: 15 games. I mean, cause they broadcast all those games in the pioneer league. So, you know, and, and I'm up so late at night that like, those, those are the games I catch. My kids are finally in bed. I can watch a 10 o'clock game out West, you yeah.
2: know, it's a matter of two. Like, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, what was I going to say here? Oh, geez. Alec Thomas. Oh, in first year projects for you when you're in drafts, trying to gauge what other people value Alec Thomas. Because if you could try to get them in like an early second round, that would be insane value for you. You know what I mean? Like you'd be probably don't, willing to take like 15 cute. through 20. But I don't know. You got you may gauge the room. It's always filling out the room, right?
1: <laughs> it's, true. it's true. It's true. Yeah, and if you know your competitors, you know your
2: competitors. Yeah, exactly. It's a very good point.
1: All right. I All think right. that was good, Lance. Let's good. wrap it up here. Definitely. Have another good night. Take care, right. everybody. Enjoy the weekend.
2: Go. We'll see you next week. <laughs>